Good morning. So I appreciate uh, feeling at home. I mean, I appreciate the Hebrew from the psalm. Kind of makes me feel like I'm doing my thing at my place across the street. Truth be told, as Clover referenced, um, I'm familiar to you. You're familiar to me. Um, I feel very much at home here. Temple Micah has done many programmatic events, seders and Hanukkah celebrations here. I've been in this space with you for various things and um, feel a deep connection to uh, your clergy, um, current and former. Um, so like I said, I feel home. So when Ian reached out to me um, to ask to come, I, usually I don't hesitate, but it's kind of a crazy time of year for people of my ilk. I mean, I'm talking about rabbis, not Jews yet. Um, the Jewish New Year begins this year early. Our, our holidays change due to the lunar calendar, so Rosh Hashanah starts Labor Day evening, which is about the earliest that it ever gets. And so people who do my job and have my role are starting to get a little crazy right now as we're about... Oh, just about a month out from what amounts to a combination of Easter and Christmas in 10 days. And so when Ian reached out to me, my first response was, well, it's, it's, a, it's a little much. But then it's mom for you. And it's home and it's comfortable. And so I thought I would come and just share with you. Not, don't, I'm not going to burn you with my rabbinic to-do list right now. That's not what you need to hear. But I thought may, I might share with you, for we Jews are part of our spiritual to-do list, where our focus is beginning to shift. Because actually, a month out before Rosh Hashanah begins, the whole Hebrew month of Elul is supposed to be a, a month of preparation to do the work of those 10 days that start with Rosh Hashanah and end with Yom Kippur. There are days of teshuva, of repentance, of us returning to our most basic values and ideals, returning to God. And during those 10 days, there's something that we do that uh, we take this tool. It's called a shofar. And the idea is, the encouragement is to hear it every day. Unfortunately, you're not going to hear it too well this morning, as you'll see in just right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened this day in rabbinic school, but I missed this class. <laughs> it makes, so this thing, it's called a shofar. It was, it was in the psalm that you read and heard sung so beautifully this morning. It's a ram's horn. And it is part of this time of year. It culminates on Rosh Hashanah. And we blow this on Rosh Hashanah. It says in Torah, in our shared sacred scripture, you blow this on the first day of the seventh month to announce the new year. And um, if you want to hear it blown, you're welcome to come in Temple Micah during the holidays to do that. The best I can do is talk about it right now. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, at least share with you what it's supposed to do for us. I mean, if, you, if you're familiar with it in, the, in our sacred scriptures, probably most familiar, you're, you're, you know the story of Jericho. And the conquering of Jericho. 
it was these babies right here that they surrounded the city with and knocked down the walls blowing these. Obviously, they had people of better skill blowing it than I do. But it shows up in other places, shows up in the psalm, it shows up in battle scenes. It's, it is this call. And if you heard it, again, if I could do it better, it's this piercing, unsettling call. It's a wake-up. Because in those settings, it knocks down walls. It's a call to battle. It's an announcement of a, of a new year. It is supposed to unnerve and unsettle you. My problem is, is that I think for most Jews in their experience, it's not quite that. Which is kind of sad for me. I mean, it's not all bad. Because what happens in Rosh Hashanah is it's part of the service. And the person who is the Baal Tekiah, the one who blows the shofar, there's a series of calls and there's different notes. And it's, it's kind of charming. And we all have nostalgia, people my age at least, about when we heard it when we were kids. And the kids love it because, oh, they're blowing a ram's horn in the, in the synagogue. It's all great. And then the, the, the ultimate moment of this is the last call is called the gedola. It's the big call, the long call. And the shofar blower, he or she just takes a big inhale and collects a breath and gives this long and everyone's listening. How long is he going to go? How long can she blow this year? Is there going to be a crack in her blow? And some people are timing and see how long it is. And it's, this, it's, it's a charming, fun, nostalgic, playful moment. And there's nothing wrong with that because it connects us as a community. And there's more to this. It's not just about the physicality of hearing the ram's horn blown and how long the shofar blower can blow it. It's, I mean, all our rituals are like this. Every ritual we do, we do these physical manifestations on the outside, that are these incantations, that they, I mean, I, I know that part of, in the church cycle, uh, communion might be today, if it weren't for COVID. And uh, when I first studied and learned what that was, I said, what are they doing? What does that mean? But as I learn and study more about that and just understood ritual. Rituals are physical things we do to point us towards the spiritual. Because the spiritual by nature is ineffable. We can't touch it. It's hard to explain, but we know it's essential. And we do the physical stuff to help get there. And if we get stuck on the physicality of our rituals, they may be fun and playful and, and feel good, but there's also more to them than that. They have to be more about more than just the physical. So what is this about? Because what this is about is a push for the sacred work that we are called to do this year. And I share it with you because even though we dress it up with Jewish symbols and language, our sacred work is no different than yours. We all are walking the same path. We aspire to get to a similar place. So perhaps in sharing a bit where we're focused we hope to focus this time of year, what we hope to get to, I hope, I'm more than hopeful. I, I, I'm, I trust that it may speak to you about the work, the sacred work that you do. So what, so what is this all about? There's a story that our sages told about the shofar call that I think speaks to its enormity, the weight, the power of it. 
And some background on the story. We call this type of story a midrash. It's kind of a fill-in-the-blank stories about things. When someone may ask the question, what's the big deal about the shofar blow? One of our sages, one of our rabbis told this story. The story starts in the setting with this understanding if we use the ideology of God as king, which may or may not fit how you think of what God may or may not be, but it's a story, right? So the story informs us to the deeper layers. Well, this story suggests in that ideology of God as king that God actually has two thrones as a king might that God sits on. There's the throne of justice. There's a throne of mercy. And God, a lot of times, gets kind of comfy on that throne of justice, of judgment, if you will. I don't know, maybe the throne's a little more comfortable, it fits formally and it's able to sit there, or maybe what's happening. I think we can understand that, at least I can personally. Because I think in, internally for many of us, certainly for me, it's much easier to fall into the pattern of that judgment. And not negatively even so of being all judgy, but assessing and analyzing. That's what we're called to do this time of year. We're supposed to be assessing our, our sins, our shortcomings, so that we can improve. So we spend a lot of time looking at, well, I messed up here, I did that wrong, I hurt this person. And we're trying to be clear-eyed and honest, but sometimes that's hard, but also sometimes that naturally. Some of us, our, our inner critic is going all the time. And that inner critic helps us grow and evolve, but it's also kind of harsh. Back to the story, back to the Midrash. So God sits on the throne because, well, we're in the divine image, so God probably operates pretty smoothly in that realm too. But there's also a throne of mercy. The story goes that the piercing call of the shofar is so powerful, so strong that it actually moves God to get up from the throne of judgment, of justice, to the throne of mercy. Which is also needs to be a component of our lives for us Jews this time of year. In that process of judging, of growing, of that clear-eyed honesty and sometimes harshness, we also have to give ourselves a break. We have to be merciful and loving to ourselves and to the others out there too who we might be judgmental of as well. And how much the more so if this call of the shofar could actually move God from that space, that throne to the other, of course we can and we should be moved too to spend equal time in both those places so that we can embark on this path, this spiritual work of growing and evolving. Part of this work too comes from another teaching, looking at the physicality of the shofar. You blow into a narrow end and the sound, the, the powerful sound comes out the large end. Our sages too say that's an important thing to notice in this work that we seek to do. What are we trying to experience, understand, grasp? We're trying to move from the narrow focus to the large focus, or it's called in our tradition, mochin de katnut to mochin de godlut, to small mind to large mind. Now, one's not better or worse. Small's not negative or, or, or something we never want to be in. This is how we human beings live in the world. We have to have a focus. We got to go to our jobs. 
We've got to make money. We've got to make dinner. We've got to get our kids somewhere. We have to have a narrow focus of our corner of the world. That's what makes our lives safe and secure and move forward. But sometimes we get lost in that narrow focus. That becomes it all. And sometimes we forget that large mind, that bigger picture, the more of which we are part. And just like the previous Midrash suggests, that even those works can impact that more too. So when we hear the call of the shofar, it is a call to wake up and pay attention to more than just our little corner of the world. To remember we are part of a larger mission, task, experience. Reminds me of a story from our tradition. The story is actually about King Solomon. King Solomon, known for his wisdom, but uh, he also oversaw the first important building project in our, well, maybe in our shared history, the building of the first temple in Jerusalem. And uh, in his role as the chief contractor, if you will, he'd like to go out amongst the, the workers and just see how things are going. So one of these days he went out and he looked upon one of the pillars that was somewhere in the courtyard and he saw the stonecutter up on the pillar. Hello there, stonecutter, King Solomon said. Stonecutter, King Solomon, I'm so glad you're here. King Solomon said, oh great, tell me how it's going. Stonecutter said, it's awful. It is so hot up here. The, the, the water, people have trouble getting the water because if I come down, it's really too much for me to come down. And the, the, the implements, the tools I'm using, they're really sharp. And I've cut off the top of my finger and I bled all over the stone. And it's just, it's been terrible. And he went on and on. Okay, King Solomon says, okay, we'll, we'll try to get you some Band-Aids and some more water. And we'll, we'll try to figure that out. Next he comes to a courtyard. We're down on the ground. He sees the, the artist working on the mosaic tiles and he's down there on his knees and he's working away and King Solomon says, hello, hello mosaic artist. And the artist looks up, oh, your majesty. And King Solomon says, how, how are things going? Oh, your majesty, my back is killing me. I've been down here all day. And this grout that we're using, it's, it's really difficult because it gets into my fingernails and I can't get it out and it smells and my family thinks I, I don't want me in the house and I can't, it, can't sleep and it, I just, it's, it's been really hard. Well, King Solomon, after having a few of these encounters was, suffice to say, a little dispirited about the project. He didn't know what to do. This is a pretty important project and no one seemed happy. And on his way out of the complex, last person he saw was uh, one of the custodians. And this custodian, she was there picking up trash, all the refuse from what they're working on. And it's grimy and dirty, and she's picking up, and she is humming away. She's singing away. If you look closely, it looked like she was even dancing a bit as she was picking up trash. So, in, so happy and so lost at what she was doing, she didn't even notice him. And he walked right up to her, and as she turned around with a big piece of trash, Your Majesty, oh my goodness. And he says, so, well, first in his mind he wanted to say, what's wrong with you? 
But he said instead, well, how are things going? And she said, oh, your majesty, things are going great. I'm doing this here, I'm doing that there. And still he could not believe she was still had that sing-songiness in her voice that she was so happy. And then he said, well, what's wrong with you? Everyone else here is working so hard and they are tired and they're in pain. And she goes, yeah, I'm tired and my back hurts too. But your majesty, I'm building a temple. I'm building a temple. I'm building a place where God's going to dwell on earth. What could be better than that? So, as I like to wrap up the story, he, he fired her from her job and gave her a new one. She was in charge of morale. <laughs> but what he learned from her, what I hope I share for us to learn with her, is the thing the shofar is pushing us to, not just us Jews, but all of us, to pay attention to remember of how who we are, what we do, even in the menial everyday things have significance. That we are part of something larger and greater and divine. The charge, the call of the shofar is this wake up to pay attention to these truths. To move out of the mindset of judgment all the time. And to be merciful, compassionate, loving, and maybe even curious. The call of shofar is to remind us to wake up, to pay attention, to put intention into each and everything we do. To remember how it fits as one piece in the bigger puzzle of the divine story of which we are all a part. So my challenge, my homework for you would be as you go out into your lives this week, I can say with 100% confidence, all of us are going to be involved in some mundane, everyday things that need to get done. We're all going to go out in the world and do the things we need to do, but perhaps in just one of those moments, you remember what I described the shofar should sound like, and more importantly, what it means. And just for one moment, pay attention. Pay attention to where you're sitting, how you're approaching that moment. Remember that you are part of a larger, holy, sacred story. And when you hear that call, you'll remember that uh, you are special and have the power to uh, move the world, move the universe, and even move God. Amen.